0: Are you weighed down by the burdens of life? Do you find yourself encouraged by the word of God on Sunday, but lose momentum shortly thereafter? Well, welcome to Sunday Soul Service, an hour designed to strengthen, encourage, and motivate you to keep pushing along the journey we call life. This is Dr. Renee Sunday, the platform builder, encouraging you to believe, trust, and walk it out.
1: Welcome to the Sunday Soul Service. I'm Letitia Bates, life coach and founder of At The Wheel Coaching, driving your life to higher ground. We are coming to the close of 2017. It is a time of celebration. And as we approach the end of this year, it's a great time to set your goals for 2018. In my book, I Can, 12 Keys to Achieve Personal Success in the Smartest Way, Part two of the book gives you the keys to effective goal setting. In 1979, Mark McCormick researched goal setting habits of MBA students. His study, What They Don't Teach You at Harvard Business, Harvard Business School, revealed the following. Only 3% of the students had written goals. 13% had goals that were not written. 84% had no specific goals. Goals. Ten years later, the 13% earned twice as much as the 84%. The astounding result was the 3% who had written goals. This group earned 10 times more than their classmates. So, Sunday Soul Service listeners, I want to encourage you to give serious consideration to what you want to achieve this year and put a plan in motion. To order a copy of the book, visit ICanTheBook.com. For now, think about the areas in your life that you want to enhance. Is it your finances? Is it your health? Is it relaxation and restoration? To help dig a little deeper into the power of setting goals, the incredible Dr. Renee Sunday and the joy guru Alicia Brown are here. Let's start with Dr. Sunday. Hello, Dr. Sunday. Please share your thoughts. Hi.
0: Hi. I'm so glad to be here. Now, this is something that's dear to my heart, Leticia, because I have always been accused, if you want to call it that, of always writing stuff down. Um, I'm really, okay. uh, in regards of my life, uh, have developed into a visionary, and I love to write down my goals because I'm one of those people that like to check off. <laughs> so I really mm-hmm. appreciate the conversation we're going to have tonight about set my goals, and actually I love that statistics. that that's very important that what we need to do set goals and then we need to accomplish them. So I'm so excited about our discussion this evening.
1: Yes. And Ms. Joy Guru
2: Alicia Brown,
1: please share <laughs> your thoughts.
2: I love it. I, I mean, it, you can see why, if you think about it, why the statistics are what they are. You know, what you don't measure does not get achieved. Um, so you definitely need to set a goal. You definitely need to go beyond that and go into action. And then you need to measure your accomplishment. Um, but what I'm really looking for this evening, um, you know, for some of us, it's no problem to write things down and have this beautiful plan and plan A, B, C, D, but sometimes we don't act on it. Or sometimes we overplan plan to the point that you kill the entire dream itself or you have your hands in so many pots and you're missing the mission and vision altogether. So I'm excited for that part of the discussion that I know
1: you will bring. Well, definitely. And so what you said is so important about those statistics. I mean, they are startling statistics. So these are people who, Mm -hmm. uh, this is 1979, and these are MBA students. So these are obviously uh-huh. people who are motivated to achieve. And so for those who are fo- you know, focused on really going through the levels of education, that wasn't an issue here. Those people were definitely a part of that. But in terms right. of just general goals, that was the part where they were missing the boat. So you have people who do a lot of you know work. They will grow themselves educationally. They'll grow themselves emotionally. They'll even grow themselves financially but they don't really have concrete plans to really set a compass for what they want to achieve in their life. And so Uh they may find themselves, you know, with a lot of things and be unfulfilled. They may find themselves with a lot of tasks, and they're really not getting any source of enjoyment out of their life. And so one of the things that I talk about in the book, and the reason that the book is called 12 Keys to Achieve Personal Success this is not a book about how you grow a multimillion-dollar business. There are a lot of books on that. This is a book about being able to feel good about who you are in the world and what you're bringing to the table. But it is also about being rewarded and feeling fulfilled as you go through your life journey. So I think setting the goals and then starting that process, knowing what to do, how to measure those goals, how to track those goals, how to get back on track if we don't have them, uh, if we're not quite meeting the mark, is very, very important. And this is a great time of year because, you know, we can take a moment and reflect on what Uh we've accomplished this year. And if we haven't accomplished what we want to accomplish, you know, I would say to that, no big deal. Like, don't Mm -hmm. don't waste any time, you know, beating yourself up and, and feeling down on that. Just know you know, you, you got some grace going. You're about to step into a new year and just start fresh with a new plan. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I really like that because a lot of people... And, and I know people probably writing them down already, that what they call them, the uh, uh, New Year Resolution. Resolution. I, I've never too much <laughs> believed in those myself. I had, uh, uh, you know, I'm kind of on the goal setting, as you're saying. But, but uh, you know, not to go way back, but, you know, um, a lot of times before we can go forward, we have to step back a b- little bit. And I know I, I love how you do this with your clients is, Getting down to the root of the thing, but it's wonderful to measure something. But I'm sure just us three on this on this call uh, that's hosting, <laughs> and, of course, all the listeners, we have a different measuring stick, if you will. Yes. And I think that's what we kind of mess up because when I look at TV and I see a size zero, that is not me as a zero.
1: <laughs> right, Okay. Well, the way that the book is actually laid out, it's laid out in three parts. And so you may have heard this, you know, if you want to be successful, who do you have to be, what do you have to do, and what do you have. So uh-huh. part one of my book actually focuses more on the individual. Um, in fact, I can is an acronym. The I stands for identify. Identify who you want to be and how are you showing up in the world. What will you believe about yourself? What limiting beliefs do you maybe need to address before you even go and try to set goals? And the C uh, in ICANN is to care about your feelings, like taking time to acknowledge those you know, maybe hard times. Maybe you've been in a situation where you've attempted goals before and it hasn't been successful for you. Or maybe you've been in a relationship and that relationship has changed and maybe you used to set goals together and you're still having some hurt over that. So learning how to take an inventory and care about our feelings is is huge. And then once you've done that inventory, then attending to those feelings. That's the A and I can. How do you attend to those negative feelings and those negative beliefs so you can shift out of that and shift into what you want? And then the N and I can is notice. And I believe that that is the master key. Because when you begin to shift your thoughts and to shift your beliefs, It really is about changing your orientation, noticing what is actually different, what is good in your life. And from that place of being, then you get into the doing. Then you start the goal setting from this place with with a stronger sense of self Then how do I, you know, begin to craft a goal. And the book walks you step-by-step through how to create the goal, how to determine why it's significant to you, how to measure it, how to track it, how to reward yourself, and then ultimately how to actually have it.
2: I love that. I really love that um, because you're right. There There's some things that you have to, for lack of better word, make sure you have that clear launching pad before you start with those goals and the planning and all of that so you can make sure that you're in the right mindset or frame of mind um, for those goals and goal planning. So I love that. Yes. And actually, I love this time of year. Um, I was sharing a blog I wrote today, typically around Thanksgiving, it's where, or right before Thanksgiving, so it's normally the beginning of November. Um, that's one of my times of the year. So I just look at everything from this year. You know, what were the successes? Um, what were things that went really well? And then what were things that didn't go so well? Um, So I can be very clear about not only what I want to change for the new year coming up, but what you don't want to take in the new year. Um, Maybe there's some things you do want to duplicate and replicate. But then there's also other things where, you know what, here's the role I played, Um, this is what I need to change, and this is what I want to focus on going forward, and this is what I don't want to focus on and leave behind. So I love that you're here tonight talking about this, Um, Because, you know, there's just different things we don't want to take with us moving forward. And if a new year gives you that motivation, then go for it. Use the new year. But, um, you know, most people have time off of work. They're with their family. So everybody has that moment to really pause without this long, exaggerated schedule of work, um, if nothing else, to
1: really reflect and think. Yeah, and I think that you bring up a good point when you talk about reflection. And and this is what I would like to offer our listeners. Two things when you're reflecting. Particularly if you find that things are showing up that you're you don't like or you're not proud of or you're not happy with, I would encourage you to first operate in compassion. The compassion for yourself. Yeah. I mean we are yeah. all human and we're all going we, we fall short, we, we you know, things happen, some things we feel like are our fault you know, take responsibility for that inside of ourselves. But really, if we can just begin to cultivate a sense of compassion in ourselves for what we've gone through and what we've dealt with, and then once that compassion is in place, go ahead and forgive ourselves. Yes. Let's let's, let's let ourselves off the hook. Let's give ourselves a break. Uh And let's really be able to say, all right, this happened, and I did that. I accept responsibility. You know, if there's somebody that you hurt and you need to go back and say, you know, I hurt you, I apologize for that. You know, once you've got that sense that I'm human and I I make mistakes and you have that compassion for for yourself and you forgive yourself, then you can go and offer that. Now, what does this have to do Uh with goals? Well, the reality is if you've got this other stuff weighing you down, your mind is too clouded. To even begin yeah. to think about how to set goals. And you don't have the energy to put the work in to actually achieve the goals. So when you're thinking back on your year, like you've mentioned, Alicia, go ahead and do that assessment of everything. You know, look at your finances. Maybe you didn't make all the best decisions. Okay. Uh-huh. You know, maybe in your health you didn't make the best decisions there either. Okay. Uh-huh. Maybe in your relationships, you need to do some reparative work. Okay. You know, just acknowledge that. Breathe. Take a pause and call. And to the degree, (laughs) you know, that you can offer that compassion to yourself as a human. Go ahead and forgive yourself. If you need to clean it up with somebody, do that. And then come Uh back with that clear state of mind and then you know, sit down to, to work on your goals. So you can really move forward. And like you're saying, just let what needs to stay in this year stay in this year and only bring uh-huh. into the new year what you really want to.
2: Yes, Lord.
1: <laughs> yes,
2: yes.
0: I I totally agree with that. But let, let's dive a little deep a little bit. I don't know if you were going to address this, Alicia, but uh, that sounds so wonderful. I just like to be real, 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 real. Uh, that's what's wrong with the, the world today. If everybody could say, okay, I'm going to let myself go. I'm not going to worry about what other people say. They do say, don't say, because most people deal with abortors. They abort a situation. <laughs> they don't say, okay, yeah. I was wrong in this situation. I should have said this or that. Most of the people like that. I mean, people don't want to change. People think they always right, et cetera. So how do we, as your wonderful book, on a personal level, it's hard to say we're going to do that and we don't recognize, one, that we're doing that. And if we do, we too, and I, I hate to use a harsh word, but too stubborn to actually say I need to go to the other person or I need to admit that I'm wrong. Because we see that in the government. If we if we would do that, I mean, our government system would be on a better plane than it is that we would accept yes, we were it. wrong and then say, hey, uh, please forgive me for what I did, and let's move forward.
1: <laughs> yep, well, one of the things and again you know the way the the reason that the book is set up in two parts and the goal part is not first um uh-huh. you know if you wanna build your clientele, okay, there's a plan for that, there's a book for that. you know you can sit down with a consultant and put a marketing plan together and get that going and get that done. That's nice. But that's not about who you be. That's about what you do. Right. So the first part is dealing with who you be. To your point, Dr. Sunday, you know, how do you get in touch with how you identify yourself? So, for example, if you're somebody who says, well, I hold grudges. That's just who I am. Or I have a hard time forgiving people. Or if people cross me, that's it. Okay. Then this is where you now have your identity. So if your identity is wrapped up in being a person who holds grudges, you're always going to be holding on to negative energy no matter what you do.
2: Uh-huh. And you're always
1: going to find somebody to hold a grudge against because you believe you're a grudge holder. So you'll just keep reproducing that. So some of those things where you would, which would cause you to avoid because you like to hold grudges or because, you know, people have hurt you and you just want to cut them off it's a really good time to examine those vows. You know, Uh this is just the way I am. Well, no, that's the way you become. No one's born that way. So if you are finding that in your reflection time that your 2017 or, for that matter, your last few years have really not been producing the the fruit that you desire in your life, take a look at where you're holding the vows, how you're holding Uh yourself who you believe you are. And that's not easy. But it's important because I believe that we all come here bearing gifts, talents, and abilities, and that those talents, gifts, and abilities are to be expressed not only for our personal fulfillment, but also for the service to our our fellow man. And if we're and bogged down in our hurt and our pain, and our past Then we can't really bring forth What God has put inside of us We just, we can't do it We just don't have the capacity to do it Amen So some of those real hard stances It's a great time to just really Take that Take that examination You know Seven is the number of completion Eight is the number of new beginnings So it's a, it's a good time to start a new era
2: and, Leticia, on that same topic, correct me if I'm wrong, but to me it sounds like more of a, I don't want to say a maturity process, um, but I would say it's a journey process. Because like you're saying, you know, give the example of somebody that holds a grudge. Um, and uh, to doctor, what Dr. Sunday said, you know, people are stubborn and they don't want to admit they have a problem. But I think at some point of your living that lifestyle, You're either going to get sick and tired of what you continually attract. You know, there's going to be some breaking point where you have that choice to either deal with it for change. You may still not know that you're a person that holds a grudge or you're stubborn, but you're going to look at your life and either say, you know, I need a change and I need to figure out what's wrong, and you seek help, or you may make the choice that I would just like to continue this way because I don't want to stop doing X,
1: Y, Z. Well, so if we use the example of a grudge, let's look at what's really happening with a person who, who holds grudges. If this is not, you know, some, the, the way that gets set up is not because the person is Billy Goat Gruff and they're just mean old commodity yeah. people. What happens is they have an, an injury. Okay. There's, a, there's an emotional wound that occurs. Sometimes it, it Sometimes it happens. Maybe they can trace back to it. Maybe they just remember being hurt, and what they decided to do is to insulate themselves from people that could potentially hurt them. So then maybe they get into a relationship, a romantic relationship, or a friendship with somebody. They open up, they let that person in, and then that person does something to hurt them. All that does is that deepens that original wound. And what they're doing then to hold the grudge, the grudge is really just a wall. It's just a barrier to protect themselves from hurt. So the person who's holding a grudge, if you really examine the heart of what's at that, that is that person trying to protect themselves. And they may not have had the tools or developed the tools or learned the tools of how to get out of that and be safe in relationships, so they hold on to the grudge. So, I'm not certain that it's an, an issue of maturity so much as it's an issue of really just skills and tools to work themselves out of that. I and that's where. Can... Of... Yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's one of the reasons why, you know, in the book I talk about how to attend to this stuff. All right, so now I've identified, for example, I'm a grudge holder, and, you know, this is how this makes me feel. You know, I feel fearful of dealing with people I don't want to get hurt again. whatever the feelings come up. You know, key number three shows you how to attend to those feelings because that's real stuff. You know, people don't operate in the world. um, People are operating in the world based on what has happened in their experience. And some Mm -hmm. of us have been able to heal those experiences. Some of us have not been able to heal those experiences. Some of us would just, they just so happy to be out of the experience, they just want to act like the experience never happened, even though Amen. it's still affecting them on some level. So I thought in order to really do, to do service to my reader is to give them a mechanism for attending to those wounds if I'm going to ask them to take stock of them. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You read my mm-hmm. mind because I was going
2: to ask you to share that part from your actual book. So, yes, that's a good um, frame of reference for the listeners um, when they go and purchase the book to know some of the insight that you share on topics such as that.
1: Well, yeah, so the so Chapter 3 starts out with a quote from Maya Angelou. There is no greater agony than bearing an, old, an untold story inside of you. Okay? Because people have these stories that, you know, have happened maybe a long time ago. And then people say stupid stuff like, well, get over it. That was 20 years ago. Well, don't you think if people could get over it, they just would? Uh Mm
2: Uh-huh.
1: Okay, but that's not how it's happening. And so it's still affecting them. So, again, this goes back to having some respect for your feelings, having some compassion for yourself. Who cares if I think you should get over it? If you still feel it, that's where you want to start. And one of the tools that I use in my practice is tapping. And so just to explain Uh what tapping is, you know, when you think about, when you reflect on a past event and you are thinking about that and it's making you feel sad or bad or hurt or guilty, those are negative feelings in your body, and it creates the body's stress response. So you might have a headache just thinking about it, or your stomach might start to not just thinking about it, or you might get tightening in your shoulders just thinking about it. That is your body's stress response. Now, this is the same response that you were given to run from a bear. But now the stressors are not bears and lions and tigers, right, because we've kind of settled that with civilization. Now the stressors are more these events that have happened, whether it's an abuse situation, it's a relationship breakdown, it's a divorce, maybe you're a child of divorce. Whatever may be in your history that's still producing uncomfortable negative emotions right now is activating your body's stress response every time you think of it. And some of that's really conscious and some of it's subconscious. So what tapping does is it activates the body's relaxation response. And you're simply tapping on acupressure points. Of course, acupressure has been around for thousands of years, but you're not using any needles just using your fingers to tap on certain points. So one point is, the first one is between your eyebrows, and then one is on the side of your eye, right there at the edge of your eye. One is underneath your eye, just right in that hollow space. The next one is there right underneath your collarbone, about where your necklace would fall. And the final point is grabbing your wrist. And so what you do is when you're holding this, in this, you're holding this distressing memory and you're seeing this image in your mind or hearing the voice of somebody that upset you, feeling these feelings in your body, you use the tapping to activate your body's relaxation response until that response is neutralized. So I've covered a lot, but I will say if you go to atthewheelcoaching.com, there is a tab for faster EFT tapping. There's a longer explanation of what it does, and there's also a video that shows you how it works. And right underneath the video, there is a little sheet that shows you where the tapping points are. But this is a very, very, very powerful tool that I use in my coaching practice because my clients are either coming to me because they know something in their past that's still bothering them, or they're trying to get somewhere in their future and they feel blocked for some reason. And under all of that, shows up, some kind of pain or injury or, you know, emotional disturbance, and we use the tapping to attend to that. And, you
2: know, it's kind of funny. I was seeing this uh, post yesterday on Facebook um, to just give validity to that practice. They were actually showing a school system that had the children tapping, and they were giving different things that this could be good for. One of the things they mentioned was just, you know, anti-bullying, it will help with anger issues, um, focus and concentration. So I say, you know, the irony of that is even the children are getting benefits from some of the techniques that you've mentioned every month on this show. Um, and some of us uh, as adults have not even had the opportunity to try tapping.
1: Yeah, and so the beautiful thing, and I saw that video um, that you're talking about as well, the beautiful thing about this um, for children, you know, I, some of my younger clients, I get excited when I have the younger clients, you know, the teenagers, because uh-huh. they don't have years to accumulate all this hurt on top of their issues. Oh, right. You see, so when you are, if you can, if you can learn this tool as a child, when something comes up, and you learn how to calm your body down. And, and activate your body's relaxation response, and then that way you can use your mind to actually work through whatever's going on. Because here's a little thing about what happens when the stretch response goes on. Imagine that you, uh, you know, if you open your hand wide, you know, all your fingers are open, and then you take your thumb and pull it into your palm, then you've got your other four fingers up like you're holding up the number four, right?
2: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay.
1: Now, go ahead and take that, the, the the number four, and put it down over your thumb. Now, imagine that this fist that you're holding is your brain. Huh. So imagine, okay, right there at the knuckle of your thumb, all the way back on the side of your brain, there's this little, tiny, little almond-shaped-like figure. It's called your amygdala. Your amygdala is where where trauma or sadness is stored. That is where your body says, run, this is stress, run, there's a bear. That's what that's for. Now, if you notice that those four fingers that you have in front of your thumb up front, that would represent your prefrontal cortex. This is the newest structure in the human brain. This is your thinking brain. This is your logical brain. This is your one plus one equals two. If I do that, I could go to jail. (laughs) This is your logical brain, okay? All right. (laughs) What happens is when you get stressed out or something triggers your stress response, literally what happens is the chemicals in your body force that up. So the four fingers fall up, they come up, and then that inside thumb, that would represent your limbic system, that is unprotected. It runs directly to your amygdala and says, run, fight, flee, avoid. That's your body's stress response. When the immediate danger or perceived threat, whatever it is, calms down, then slow four fingers come back down. So later on, when you say, what was I thinking? You weren't thinking. Uh You did not have access to your prefrontal cortex, which is where your logic lies. So your stress response is literally taking you out of your logical thinking brain. That is why, at the end, people say, "Well, that just don't even make no sense." Uh-huh. You're not using logic there; it's just pure emotion and adrenaline mm-hmm.
2: to get you mm-hmm.
1: out of the perceived danger.
2: Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that is that. The tapping activates that relaxation response and helps to pull that prefrontal cortex back down, so that you're not real, reliving the experience, again, as if it were happening, you know, right now. You now have Uh your logical brain on saying that is an event that happened. It was a pleasant event, but I'm here now, and I don't have to live in that trauma any longer. And so trauma takes on many forms. I mean, a lot of us think about, you know, our military veterans who definitely have been, you know, who, who have seen trauma, they've seen war, that is trauma at a whole other level. And then some uh-huh. people have, you know, suffered abuse, whether it's rape or sexual abuse or emotional abuse or verbal abuse. That is its own level of trauma. But then there are these other traumas, which they call little T's, but they're having the same kind of stress response. And this could be people, you know, bullying you or people laughing at you as No, there may not have been any physical violence but you may still be dealing with self-confidence issues based on how you were dealt with publicly in the past. Mm -hmm. So there's a tendency to say, oh, well, that's not a big deal. Get over that. Not recognizing that that can have a damaging impact on you too. So sometimes when my clients show up, they're, they're surprised at, you know, when we start really digging into this, they're surprised at the the memory or the incident that's holding it up because they think it shouldn't be significant. But it is significant. So what we do is we use the tapping to work through that stress response in order to get your relaxation response on, and then you can get to the place where you can, you know, from neutral, neutral can really use your mind to start creating what you want.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And the reason that people don't want to go, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just going to say people don't want to, you know, do these examinations because they're painful. It's in, And, you know, people like, yeah. I go to the dentist, right? It's not my favorite thing to do, but I want my teeth clean. But, <laughs> right, so but what do they do for me? To help me out, they give me a little anesthesia so that I can still get what I need and get my teeth clean. But I'm not going through this horrible, gut-wrenching pain as they scrape around my teeth. So they make it bearable for me to get what I need is my point. Right. Okay, so the reason that I wrote Chapter 3, which is how to attend, I'm saying I'm asking you to do this identity check and figure out how you were holding yourself in identity. Then I'm asking you to do an inventory of your feelings. And now that all these feelings are activated, you know, where's your anesthesia? Like how are you what are you gonna do? How are you gonna help me you know deal with what I just dug up. Right. And that's what the that's what the tapping does. It's like that anesthesia that kinda of helps numb you, you know, to get you well not numb you but get you relaxed so that you can see things in perspective.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. That is very powerful because Like you say, when those responses come up, uh, and I see that a lot from the anesthesia, being an anesthesiologist, I see that a lot before surgery, and oh, wow, it can can go every which way. That's a nice way of saying it uh, when patients wake up because, uh, you know, you never know what's going through their mind when you uh, assimilate. Uh, that that when those emotions are gone, because they fearful, just like you say at the dentist, they fearful of that happening, but they know they got to have it. But I I, I commend you because that's a great thing that everybody really needs exposure to what you're saying because all of us have been through something in life. Um, so yeah. I, I just commend you, uh, Letitia, that you do this one on one with your clients and you. Giving all of us an opportunity to 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 read your book intensely, so everybody needs to get the book because we actually all have something we need to work on on a personal level that we can move forward in what we're you know what we're here for. What you opened up to show with, what we're here to do in life, and not have that stagnation.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, when you well, when you know say for example, um, you know somebody goes through a, a divorce that may be debilitating for that person, male or female. And, you know, that's going to impact their their confidence. That's going to impact their their sense of safety in getting into relationships. They may feel like a failure. There may be some shame around that. You know, there's a fallout with how, you know, the friends and the family are going to deal with them. That's a lot of emotional turmoil. And so then to just decide that you're just going to set a goal and go for it, yeah, you can do that. People do it all the time. But what I'm saying is if you could take a minute and really attend to those feelings and kind of, you know, bring some closure to that, some honor first to the pain that you've gone through, and then some closure to that, and then get the perspective from that, and from that new place of identity, decide, you know, who do I want to be and how do I want to create my life going forward? Because a lot of times events like that cause people to identify themselves that way. The same thing happens with people who have dealt with abuse in their background. You know, they, they, they begin to identify as being a victim. And the challenge is, you know, when you find your identity in victimization, You're always dealing with powerlessness. You're always dealing with an element of powerlessness. So I have had abuse in my background, but, you know, the way I characterize myself is I'm a victor. I'm not a victim. Amen. Okay, so those are experiences that have happened, and I respect the part of me that had to to endure that, but I, I don't identify myself as a victim because I'm not powerless. For years, though, I did think I was. And so even though I had talents and I had gifts and I had abilities, because of the abandonment issues that I lived through with my father not being there and the things that I was going through, bullying in school and, you know, abuse in the background, he really left me feeling powerless, you know, not just through my teenage years, from my, throughout my early adulthood. And it's really just, now, in the last several years, what I've really said you know i'm 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 I have to change this because time wasn't healing it. you know people kept telling me time time wasn't healing it. I kept running back into the same problems, the same type of man, the same type of friends, the same type of event because I wasn't healed, so when I got serious about healing myself. And doing the work of really shifting how I was holding and representing myself inside, then I was able to touch into my power. And then I was able to say, all right, what does my future look like? Then I was able to say, okay, you know, I've been doing this as a career for this period of time, but I want to do work in this way. I want people to experience themselves in empowering ways. Well, what does that look like? And then I was able to start setting goals for the life I wanted to create. And I wasn't basing mm-hmm. it on the life I had lived. turning it on the life I wanted. So,
2: Leticia, you. can you, for our listeners, can you share with them how to do that? I know it's not as easy as it sounds, but how do they make that shift, you know, where they can focus on the life that they want to live, instead of what life they feel like they may be stuck with right now.
1: Yeah, so in the in the book, the very first thing that you do is you I talk about some common thoughts that are, you know, what I call low image thoughts, lit. And then I talk about hits, which I call high image thoughts. And these are thoughts that focus you on the higher version of you, the ideal version of you. And so the very first thing you do is you do an assessment of where you you know, are you thinking more of this low stuff or are you thinking more of this high stuff? And it doesn't matter where you fall, that's okay. Just it's just knowing where you start, right? So once you kinda of understand where your your thinking is in terms of how you identify, then you start to say, all right, here are some things I can do, here's some thoughts I can begin to ponder. I recognize that this is how I feel, but these are some thoughts I can begin to ponder. And so the exercises, because each chapter has an exercise for you to to work through, because this this is not just a book to read. This is a book to actually help you transform how you are experiencing your life.
2: Uh And if you
1: do these exercises and work through that, you are going to get those results. So once you do that identity assessment, you know, you then start listing what are your gifts, talents, abilities. And I'm reading from the book. Um, what do you do well? What are you grateful for? What is the best part of your life? What is the most important lesson you've learned? Describe who you would be if there were no limits. So you start that process based on where you, you know, what you, how you would like to identify yourself. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you go through and you do the care inventory and figure out how you really feel now. And then that process of tapping where you attend to those negative feelings and and neutralize that, and then from there, then it's like okay, well, I really, you know, that's when you start to notice. You you get a, a stronger sense of what's good in your life, because when uh-huh. you look at the cloud of some of these other things that we just talked about—that divorce, that abuse, that kind of stuff—it's hard to mm-hmm. even notice what's good. Mm-hmm. Uh uh-huh. Because you've really focused on the pain. And then any any pain that's coming in, whether it's stress at work or, you know, whether it's, um, you know, a relationship thing, anything that's pressing in on those unresolved emotional issues, just have you focused there. So once you do the transformation work and you attend to those negative feelings, then you'll start to notice things differently. And then it's about changing your orientation. And I talk about... what I dealt with with those abandonment issues with my father was really painful. You know, I was pretty young when he told me that I was responsible for the breakup of my mother's marriage. You know, so there I am at seven years old believing that my brother doesn't have a father and I don't have a father and my mother doesn't have a husband because I was born. Like Uh he said. So I carried that belief about myself and it, Played into my sense of worthiness I didn't feel worthy So I didn't have the confidence In myself And so all my life I've had people you know, Tell me I'm smart or whatever whatever. Or I've got this skill, or I've got this gift But that's not where my attention was going My intention mm-hmm. wasn't Going to my skills I would go to work, I would do a good job I would get promoted You know, I, I was a high performer, all of those things But in my inner world That's not what I was noticing. I was taking notice of the pain that I felt was constantly around the corner or pressing in on me. And then when something would happen, you know, some relationship event or, you know, some job event, I would just dip right back down into that pain until I started really attending to the the painful memories and the emotions that were associated with those things. And when I did that, then it was important for me to talk about in Chapter 4, which is to take notice of what's good. Because, yeah, uh-huh. my my father did that, but I also had a loving mother who was devoted to me and an amazing grandmother and aunts and uncles. But that's not what got my energy. Mm-hmm. That's not what got my attention. So changing your orientation to really start to focus on what's good. But I, I don't... Personally, I think that that is better done once you've attended to what's going on with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Because trying to place affirmations and positive thinking and all that stuff Mm -hmm. on top of some of this stuff is not sustainable.
2: Oh, absolutely. Right.
1: And that might be good for everybody around you, but that's not good for your heart and it's not good for your soul. It's soul question. Amen. So wow. you know, I'm yeah. sorry? No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I think even in terms of goals, I think you can set a goal to even start dealing with the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <Yeah. laughs> okay. Your goals don't necessarily be, have to be, you know, how many times I'm going to go to the gym, or how many books I'm going to read, or whatever other goals you want to set. You might want to just start setting a goal of, you know, h- how do I begin to deal with this stuff? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the book I can, and I'm gonna start reading about this. Um, I'm gonna start understanding, you know, and trying to get in touch with, you know, how why I'm behaving in ways that I'm behaving not producing the results I want. I'm going to set a goal to really start examining that. You know, if I need to hire a life coach, I'm going to hire a life coach. If I need to go into therapy, I'm going to go into therapy. I'm going to set a goal to be the best version of myself, and that starts from the inside out. That in and of itself is a worthy and powerful. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So if you set a goal that says, and I, I in my book I call it being the hit version of you, right, the, uh-huh. which is like the best version of you possible. So if you set a goal that I'm going to be the hit version of myself, well, what does that look like? You know, what would that look like if you were the best you possible? How would you feel when you got up in the morning? How would you feel when you went to bed at night? How would your children feel about how, how about you? How would your coworkers perceive you? Because the thing about this stuff is when you make these changes and you make this transformation, everybody around you is positively affected, everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then most importantly, you know, these keys unlock the doors and and then you're able to free the gifts. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So for years, you know, I was an insurance professional, and I really, I enjoyed what I did. I was really good at my job, um, and I liked it. I didn't leave the profession because, oh, I was burnt out or I hated it. It wasn't like that. But I made the decision to go into coaching because it it was more fulfilling for this, at this stage in my life, because now I'm in touch with my purpose. Mm Mm-hmm. So I can use my gifts, talents, and abilities to really help other people get to where they're trying to go. And that is Uh fulfilling for me now. Whereas, you know, when I was an insurance professional, it was, you know, it's funny because the name of my business is At The Wheel Coaching. Well, I was an insurance claims professional, auto claims. And so I love the idea of indemnity, of making people whole. And uh-huh. so, what that looks like as an insurance professional was helping people get back at the wheel of their vehicles once they've been in a car accident. Mm-hmm. And so, now in my mind, I'm continuing the same theme of helping people be whole, but now what it looks like is helping people sit courageously at the wheel of their lives. But it's yeah. the same focus.
0: That's powerful. <laughs> I'm I'm laughing because we kind of some things we do in life we don't see how it fits in the puzzle if you will but it, it's just so yeah. amazing how that fits so perfectly in your purpose and the, the things that you do you 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 know just what I want to know Leticia you know like you said 2018 is coming pretty fast pretty fast and and I yep. like that you said that just make small goals. Because we have to, and, and ladies and gentlemen, please, please, she's going to tell us again how how to get that um, her amazing book. But we we have to do that self, that inward, you know, uh, assessment of ourselves, and 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 it takes a while because a lot of people, like we keep saying throughout this whole conversation, they don't recognize what they what they're doing themselves. They always saying it's somebody else. But I like that you have a whole. If you ladies and gentlemen, if you really have listened. This is a whole strategy or a journey that can help everybody. I mean, we talked about the kids, the teenagers, but even someone in their elder years can benefit from the the things that you're saying in your amazing book and also your one-on-one
1: coaching as well. Definitely. And I think, you know, some of these things, like I, going through the, the process, I had a coach, I, in the beginning, I had a therapist, um, and then what was happening is that so so much of the, the painful stuff was shifting, I started asking myself, like, who am I without my problem? Like, I just didn't really, I didn't even conceive, really, of living a life where I didn't think of myself as a victim. Like, I had carried that belief for so long, I just didn't even conceive of what life would be like if I didn't. Use that to identify myself You know this whole idea that I had Been abandoned by my father I didn't conceive of what life would be Like not considering that Like instead looking at the fact That my father had his own trauma And some serious limitations That Uh from a a wounded place I couldn't even get to any Compassion for him Right (laughs) But I had help I did not do that alone and as those things were shifting, then I hired a life coach, and that's what helped me, you know, start crafting a future for myself. And then I became a life coach with the tools to help deal with trauma so that people who came to me with a specific problem, we could work through that specific problem, or people who came to me and they were trying to go forward, but they blocked for some reason, we could figure out what that roadblock was, deal with that, and put them on the, on the journey to, uh, to, to their dreams, to their goals. Because I truly believe, and I've said this a couple times, but I truly believe that we all have gifts, talents, and abilities that, that are uh-huh. put inside of us that we come here to develop for our fulfillment and for the benefit of our fellow man. So I think service is wonderful and service is great, but there are a lot of people operating in service and they have no they they feel emotionally bankrupt. Uh-huh. Because they're just giving, 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 giving and they don't know how to fill their cup. And I think that that's, that's very very important. Really that individual. You know, I think of it this way. You know, I love you, but God gave me this heart. I love you, but he gave me these lungs. I love you, but he gave me this mind. He gave me this body, this mind, this heart, this soul. This is what I'm responsible for. This is what he gave to me. Uh So how how I take care of that is very important. And when I take care of that and when I honor that and when I prioritize that and when I respect that, and then I give from a full cup, like when my cup is running over, then the world benefits in such a better way than when I'm just trying to give out of this empty cup because that kind of stuff breeds resentment. That's how people get burned out. There's no restoration. And so I think it's very important, you know, for people to really take a look and, and really just offer some honor to what you've gone through. Even if nobody else cares, I think it's really important to just honor your own journey. And, and I don't even care oh, what mistakes oh. you think you've made. It's really it's important to begin that process and then go ahead and start offering yourself some compassion and then yeah. some forgiveness. And then once you get all healed up, come give us your gifts. We're waiting on them. And I love that you
2: said that. (laughs) Because if anybody has ever followed the show or definitely once they read the book, you know, I love that part about compassion. Um, Sometimes that can seem strange, maybe in the environments we're used to or the world we live in. But, you know, it's really freeing. And it provides you a lot of peace when you can assess your situation and say, you know what, this I didn't do so well, this was wrong, this I need to fix, but it's not condemnation. It's just right. this is the fact, this is what it is, these are the steps I need to take, and you move on. And then one thing I'll say as well, I know the hour um, is passing, but the book, I remember when I first read your book, I was at one situation in life, and then I felt the need to reread your book. And even though it was not a long period between the two, life circumstances were completely different. Um, So from just those two um, very different circumstances, I would say I could see where this is a book that you would grow with in your situation. So I could see it being something that you would recommend reading at least once a year, to just look at, like you said, if you have the lit, you have the high, you know, just look at what situation are you in right now and how do you answer these same questions? Because it does change as you evolve or, or situations in your life evolve and you see yourself differently. Um, those goals go to a higher level. Or your achievement goes to another level. So I can't say enough about the book. It, it's a really an awesome resource and a different mindset and perspective in thinking. But I love, too, your continual point about having compassion for yourself as you're going through these things and you're planning and making those next steps.
1: And I would say, you know, this is what I would offer um, for something that you can do immediately. And it's be kind of painful for people, but I would just say if you could just take a minute, And look in a mirror And actually Look into your own eyes And just know That God has thought enough of you To keep that oxygen In your lungs To keep that blood in your veins To keep that heart pumping So if he's thought enough of you To continue to give you life Take a moment And offer yourself an ounce. As we say in the South, you make me want to throw a
2: shoe. <laughs> if, if you... <laughs> <laughs> I thought that one, yes.
1: <laughs> if you could start right there. Right there. And I would say, you know, in terms of the goals, yeah, make a punch list of the things you want, the car you want, the house you want, the job you want. Those things are But if you decide to make your emotional well-being your priority, you will change your life and the life of everybody around you. Uh Because people at work are watching you. And people Uh in your home are watching you. People that you go to the store, they are watching you. And in order to be the very best version of yourself, that model, that model, that hit version of you, that requires emotional well-being. That is true personal success, in my opinion. Uh Uh-huh. And that's what we want. You know, we don't want our children to to struggle and to be taken advantage of, of by other people. Well, if that's true, then we can't demonstrate that for them. You know, we want them in healthy relationships. We don't want them to have good But if we're not teaching them how to take care of themselves by taking care of ourselves, we're not the best models. Uh-huh. So I'm not saying that to offer you any condemnation. It's not about that. It's just take the uh-huh. compassion check and just it, whatever has happened has happened. Exactly. And you can't You can't do anything to change it, but you can change how you hold and represent it, and you can change what you're going to do about the coming year. Absolutely. So I have some final thoughts from you, Dr. Sunday, before we wrap up. I just
0: want to say it's amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Leticia will tell you again how to get this amazing book. Uh, I'm telling you, you know, I've had, I'll be transparent like Leticia's. I've had concerns in my life that I had to overcome (laughs) quickly, okay? Okay. But it was a journey, uh, and everybody has their own journey. So we have to keep in mind, uh, like you say, the compassion is there. You have greatness inside. It's already there. You can't mess it up, but the key is, we got to actually help ourselves. You know, the, I think I heard this uh somewhere on Facebook or somewhere, someone said the best uh thing you can do for yourself is you know, make yourself smile when you look in the mirror. And that is very powerful yes. statement. To, to that you smile at yourself, it's okay for people to say whatever. You know, I'm not gonna go in preach mode, but they can say whatever. But you got to have that confidence, that 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 confidence in yourself that you, well, as the Bible said, what beautiful and handsome two men, uh, and wonderfully made. So I just, say, I just had an awesome time. Every time you've done the show, you really have bought so much out that that you we've never even thought about. It. I can just be honest. But I'm glad that you actually are in your purpose because that's what you do is bring that out
1: of us. Well, thank you. It has definitely been a pleasure. And to get the book, you can go to ICanTheBook.com um, to order it. And I know that you might be dealing with roadblocks that feel overwhelming, but I can help with that, and we've talked about that. So you can go also to atthewheelcoaching.com and schedule a 30-minute consultation with me. I'm offering to off the consultation fee for Sunday Soul Service listeners, which makes it $25, and if you decide to subscribe to a program, that $25 is going to be applied to the program, making that consultation free. I am Letitia Bates, Life Coach and Founder of At The Wheel Coaching. If the pain of your past has been keeping you down, start driving your life to higher ground.
0: Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Sunday Soul Service, brought to you by me, Dr. Renee Sunday, the platform builder. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for an uplifting power pack hour designed to help you believe, trust, and walk it out. And always remember, I love you, but God loves you best.